This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast now in our sixth season looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom. You're tuned in to this, the flagship show available each and every week on video and or audio. So for a sometimes irreverent but always informative hour and absolutely no more of football conversation, make your Monday... A blue Monday. Craig Finbal is here. Craig. Yes. How's it going? Oh, yes. I'm all right. I, I, I pronounce it wrong on purpose just to run. I know you, you do. Up, yeah. <laughs> if you just pronounce the surname, I could be like some Brazilian footballer. Fin, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. I had a, I had a, a good few inches this morning. Um, <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can put that quote on my hoodie. I'll have that one on my on my, <laughs> on my merch. <laughs> uh, do, yeah, do we so, need to start again? No, we're going to keep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's um, absolutely tremendous stuff. But that's that's yeah. why that's why he's on. That's why he's on. So um, always good when Craig's on because I can do curb your enthusiasm jokes as opposed to my normal um, standard five office jokes that I get criticised for. Joe Fares is here in an NFL jersey. On the night of the Super Bowl, Joe Fares. Uh, can I butcher your surname to annoy you? I don't think it's possible. Uh, Joseph F- Fires. Fry- Fryers, I get sometimes. <laughs> Joseph Fryers. How, do you remember Sean Fryers? What a player. What, what, what a the, player indeed. How are you, Joe? What is, the, what is the NFL jersey? This is a Minnesota Vikings 1975 throwback jersey. Now, Back when we were, well, not in that year, but when they did get to the Super Bowl. I, I know nothing about NFL, but I know about wrestling. And Brock Lesnar used to, or had a trial with the Minnesota Vikings. Is this correct? Yeah, I think he was there one training camp, but he didn't make the final roster. Quite the, um, quite the athlete. I'm sure if he focused on that when he was younger, but he thought he'd make millions and millions of dollars and um, kind of. I don't think he made a bad choice, did he, career-wise? Act, act it out, um, so to speak. But there you go, uh, Craig. It was. One of the most irritating days of the season. Transfer deadline day on Monday um, of this past week. Feels like a long time ago. But yeah. um, I do remember going to a game late on in the Paul Jewell era and counting up the players that Ipswich didn't own. Um, we do need um, to address the mitigating factor of COVID and all of this. And I do accept Leo Neal's uh, comments on this. But another... Two players come in on deadline day. Um, we'll leave Troy Parrott to Joe because he's pretty clued up on young players and representative um, players. But um, Luke Matheson comes in uh, a right back, a kind of football manager wonder kid that played against us for Rochdale last season. Um if you want to mention knowing what we know after in respects of Kane Vincent Young, um, talk to us about the Luke Matheson deal, um, Craig, because um, seems like a pretty exciting player. Yeah, I'm quite, quite happy with it, to be honest. It, it um, <clears throat> Well, first and foremost, it, it's a signing that we could make given his age. Um, so that's handy. It's also, given his age, someone who's already played League One football, as you were saying. So that's, again, ticks another box, didn't it? He... Um, I was at Rochdale last 
was it? Bonfire two, night. two bonfire nights ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, Rich was there as well, and Mullet and the guys. Um, and he played that that night. He was 16, I think, then, wasn't he? Um, so he's, he, he was, and he'd already obviously been on people's radars after scoring against Man U and things like that. So, yeah, I think that was a, a very, very decent signing, all things considered, and especially in the position that um, that we needed him to play. You know, it's not it wasn't just filling the squad for the sake of filling the squad. It was actually probably a necessity of all the positions that we needed to cover in that right. That was probably the one that was most pressing. I would have said. Joe, um, Troy Parrott. So he's very, let me, let me tell you my story on this. Cause obviously covering the championship, very highly rated at Spurs. Um, and the Millwall fans, I think got a bit overexcited at the start of the season. They wanted the, Tammy Abraham, Rianne Brewster type loan sign in your championship cheat code, basically. And we're hoping that Troy Parrott was going to be the guy to take them from eighth, seventh to maybe into the top six. Didn't quite work out. Um, I don't know whether we blame pragmatic Gary Rowett, but for Parrott to drop from a team that finished eighth in the championship last season, straight into league 1 what's what's your what's your view on that because you you're normally quite clued up on these um representative players and he has played for the full ireland or he's been in the full ireland squad hasn't he yeah he's got a couple of caps for the full ireland squad under mick mccarthy but i think that is a little bit sort of needs must for them because they just have such a barren sort of strikers coming through you see how how long David McGoldrick and Daryl Murphy were continuing to play for Adam them. Eder played the yeah, entire Adam game Eder. against England, didn't he? Yeah, that that they are struggling, and I don't know, but it always seems with sort of the the other home nations that they're trying to cap tie these people down to make sure that they stay representing, especially after Declan Rice, who did actually play for Ireland, and I think he played two or three times for Ireland's full team, and then moved across to England. So there's that side of it to consider. But he's he's one that. <clears throat> Spurs fans are very excited about. He's one that sort of came over and scored a hell of a lot of goals there under 18, sort of more than a goal a game, I think, for them as a first year, which is sort of good at that top cap one level. But let's say, I listen, obviously, you watch a lot of Millwall in the sort of champion side of things. But from what I understand, he got, sorry, he was looking really sharp in pre season, picked up an injury, and then missed the start of the season and then struggled to get into the side, which is just a problem with young players going out on loan there's and Joe a side that wasn't creating um any any chances really and sort of playing in a you know one of these threes now where there's wing backs as well so it's a kind of mm. narrow three but they have to drop into midfield as well it didn't it didn't work at all Joe yeah and, it, and it's, ve- it's very difficult for a young on the first loan they always talk about wanting to get people on their second loan, the sort of bigger championship teams. They don't want these first loans because you are taking a big risk as to how they sit into senior football. But the fact he's come here after, after, like you say, going to a team that finished eighth in the championship almost guarantees that we have made some agreement with Tottenham that he is going to be playing games and he's going to be playing games in his position that they want him to play at. And there was a couple of talk from some of the national journals saying... There was a number of clubs in for him, but it's basically guaranteed he's going to play up front. So that's why we were able to pick him up. And I say on on the surface, it's an area of our squad that is struggling and one where it needs improvement. Uh, Craig, there was some reasonably solid-ish links out that none of them transpired. But I thought possibly we were going to get one of these ones where with Huddersfield possibly doing something very late in the day for Caden Jack, one of those ones that then goes through the next day because they've got it in. Three players, um, Toto and Ciala, which was Fleetwood. Um, I forget who John Nolan got linked with. And, uh, Caden, Peterborough. Peterborough, thank you. And Caden Jackson um, to Huddersfield with, um, are they all with six months on the contract, those guys? Um, would it have been... Um, worth cashing in or at least doing some kind of loan deal to um, move on any of those three, Craig? Um, I don't think, well, not unless we were going to get some replacements in, certainly in, in regards to Enciala and Jackson. I think, you know, we, 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 we sort of do require them as bodies in the squad, I think, don't we? Certainly Enciala, you know, I appreciate he hasn't been the greatest form of his life recently, but he's a body and he's a, he's a stopper. Um, Jackson, I just think the deal came too late, didn't it? It pretty much 
I think Huddersfield had tried to sign every other available striker in the Championship and League One before they eventually got down to the list, down They'd to Jay on their down Josh to their Jay on their list. About four weeks before, for it's going to be out for like three or four months, so they're very light up up that end. So yeah, they they tried to sign about four or five, hadn't they? A guy from Norwich, Matt Smith, hadn't they as well? Another one or two names escaped me. So I so I think they were just trying to, and they're all and they're all different types of strikers as well, aren't they? The ones that they were going for. So there didn't seem to be any particular plan of action as to as to what type of strike they're after. I think they just wanted a striker, but I think it just came too late in the day. Wouldn't have allowed us to do anything. We'd have been you know, stuck without. A, without that space in the squad field. So that uh, pretty much didn't happen. Um, the Nolan one, you know, he's he's flattered to deceive, isn't he? I think we're pretty much all of the same opinion that he's a damn fine footballer when he actually gets the opportunity and, and attempts to be a damn fine footballer. But for whatever reason, he just seems to be forever playing within his within himself. Um, you know damn well if it had gone to Peterborough to scored half a dozen <laughs> goals before the end of the season and guaranteed their playoff position. But... Um, Again, whether we'll see him, whether we'll see him, Joe, before the end of the season, um, who knows? Um, Joe, Brett McGavin goes out to Air United, where there's this this kind of link up as well. Just talk to me, Joe. Um, let me put my tinfoil hat on now. Is this uh, Marcus Evans backing Paul Lambert into a um, actionable position? I think there's sort of many many ways to look at it. Some some will say that oh, this shows that he's got every faith in Lambert and he's continued to back in him. Others will say he's put him in a position where he's got no excuses. Others will say the fact that someone like Caden Jackson, who does not fit into Lambert's preferred formation at all, we've got an offer sitting on the table from a Championship club, regardless of how late it is, that it's not even considered, makes you think that there's. Sort of Evans is looking to keep the squad together in case there's another manager coming in who who may be able to find some use for him. Same with Danashian. But I, I think you can read it which, which, whichever way you want to. And I think everyone's sort of ongoing opinions of sort of the football, Lambert and the football club will probably um, sort of decide their reasoning on what has happened with regards to it. But I'd say I'm not overly comfortable when you see it that we've now got six loans in the squad when and you can only put five play five in the the 18 and yesterday we started four loan players and another one off the bench and it's a bit like how how have we got ourselves back in this situation in the manager's fifth transfer window how how are we back here with a squad for the loan players well we were saying when we sorry sorry ben i'd say we were saying joe and i were on the blackpool um, Seasiders podcast on Friday night and we were pretty much having the same conversation weren't we, that our transfer windows it may have been during or after we chewed their ear off for about 10-15 minutes afterwards and they wanted to desperately get rid of us and me and Joe just pouring our hearts <laughs> out about how bad we were to them um, and we were saying that our transfer windows are pretty much transfer window to transfer window You know, there's no thought process about two or three ahead let alone you know one ahead and I think it was Steve on Steve Lewis on Twitter was saying that it's a very short-term fix for an irreparable problem. And that's Craig, is there any... Um, I'm going to sit and play devil's advocate a couple of times. Mm. Though. Is there any excuse with with COVID and um, things of that nature? That was Leo Neal's comments. Well, I think, I think you can probably make a case for most of the loan signings that we made in, the, in January. I'm not entirely convinced about Thomas. Um, I don't, I'm not totally sure he's any better than what I've seen. I'm not totally convinced he's any better than Lancaster or Dobro or anyone else you could potentially put out there. We've got a, a few to choose from. Um, I say Matheson, yes, not not a problem at all. Parrot, from if he plays like he did yesterday, then again, not a problem. Um, remains to be seen about Harrop, um, whether he can have the impact that Bishop did at the beginning of the season. Um, but you know, it's just it's just contradictory, isn't it, to what Lambert himself said less than two years ago, isn't it? You know, you, the the um, quotes were wheeled out. By the guys at East Anglian about you know we don't want to find ourselves in a position where we've got six or seven low knees and not bloody. Well, you know they're numbers. gonna you know they're gonna flag COVID to debunk that accusation, don't you, Craig? Yeah, well you can you can flag COVID, you can flag whatever you want to if you need to you need to back up a, a statement that's been already you know fully contradicted and you've gone one one eighty about turn. <laughs> um, Joe Kane Vincent Young. So this parlays into the Matheson news. Um, 
I wonder whether they whether they already knew this. We mentioned last week that he was running around on the football focus feature, but um, very frustrating news. And obviously, we wish him well. Um, a hyper extension of the knee uh, quoted for um, Kane Vincent Young being injured um, injured again. Um, how disappointing is that, Joe? Such a good player. Just yeah, just massively disappointing and hugely must be really really tough for Kane himself to take in sort of all accounts you read from the sort of journalists and people that know him all, all say he's a sort of great guy and just doesn't deserve this luck but I'd say I I personally think that we were sort of dicing with not dicing with death a little bit but going into the end of the January transfer window we got rid of Danassian who was totally out of favour and if we were going to be rolling with just sort of Luke Chambers and Kane Vincent Young I think we were probably not making the wisest squad management choice there because you just can't you just can't rely on a player who's been out for 15 months coming back and hitting the ground running like I say I'd, I'd said to I think probably on a previous pod I'd said if, if you got if you were to get 10 games out of Vincent Young this season you, I'd be massively surprised and that was when he was due back in January and like I say now there probably will only be 10 games left by the time he's fit and I, I just will, think he be, if, will he be fit that's the thing at what point does the club just not write him off, but say, look, we've got to get a replacement in now. We can't just keep waiting. It's Emmy Hughes all over again, Craig. Six months. Yeah, exactly. When do you start looking to the future? Well, you've, you've basically got, you've got to hope that he can finish the season playing a couple of under-23s games to come back and have another go at it in pre-season, which is what he did this year. He came back in pre-season, didn't he? And played at, I think he at least played at Tottenham. He might have played at Colchester yeah. as well. And you've just got to, you, you can't rush it now. Now he's, now he's broken down again. You've you've got to be his target has now got to be day one of preseason for next year, and you've you've got to go from there. But I say I think I say I think Matheson was signed off the back of Vincent Young being injured. It sounded as though that call to Luke Matheson at half four on a Friday on the on transfer <laughs> yeah, deadline right. day was the first that anyone had really thought about it, let alone. Was as, Vincent about Young, it. as Vincent Young was being stretched off the training ground. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we, right we're back speculating in on our timelines there, but you may <laughs> there may be some truth in that, Craig. Sorry, Joe. I'd say right back's been a position that has been sort of like we've had Luke Chambers there and sort of as a makeshift right back for the whole season. And he started the season well, he's sort of his form has dipped recently, but you couldn't you can't get forty six games out of a player this season with this schedule. It's just impossible to do so. And he hadn't missed a minute until yesterday's game all, all year and it it just seemed that I don't know. I I always felt that the Mark McGuinness signing was the wrong position. If we were going to bring in a young player on loan at the start of the season, that needed to be a right-back, not a centre-back, because I thought we were pretty comfortable at centre-back at that point, and I don't think it's really helped us that much. No. Um, Well, that will parlay quite nicely into the team news for um, the weekend's game against the Tangerines of Blackpool and... Um, big team news, although we've been here before, because Matheson does indeed start over um, Captain Luke Chambers. Let me go through the team. We'll come to you first, Craig, on this one. So Holly in goal, Matheson, Wolfenden, McGuinness and Kenlock, the back four, ages 24, 20, 22 and 18. Flynn Downs is going to sit in front of the back four with Dezel and Judge Advanced Sears left, Thomas right, Parrot central with indeed uh, Josh Harrop on the bench as well. Almost, Craig, looks like a um, new look team, doesn't it? Um, what's your views on that uh, 11 and the dropping of Captain Luke Chambers? Well, I've got, as I said before, I've got no issue at all with Matheson coming in. I, I think he's, he's a de- very decent player. Gives you a lot of energy, as Joe said. You know, Chambers is, has been off of it recently. He's probably been lagged a little bit behind Ward in terms of how how much he's tailed off. But you know, as Joe was saying, you can't expect these two guys, thirty-five year old, to be bombing up and down the wing like they were in um, September, October um, against Blackpool. Funnily enough, um, so I've got no issue at all with Matheson coming in as, as right back. What I would have done, I said, what I think a lot of people would have probably done as well was um, slid Chambers inside. Um, as it transpired, it didn't um, matter too much. I don't think Blackpool offered 
much, if anything, up front at the end of the day. Um, luckily, Gary Medine wasn't um, wasn't playing, so wasn't there to to bully one of the guys, one of the two young centre halves. But as I say, I think going forward, um, I wouldn't be surprised if even even if we do end up playing on Tuesday, I wouldn't be surprised if Chambers does slide inside to to accompany one of one of the two. Um, nice, Downs was playing in that role, wasn't he, last week at um, at Crew? And it worked well. It allows uh, Dizel to get a little bit further forward. Which I know Mick Mills was um, very keen on in, in in his commentary, but I thought I thought Downs played very well yesterday. I thought he he swept out. He's getting back to full fitness. You could tell he was snapping into tackles. His timing was back in terms of his tackling. He was getting around the pitch like he like he did do before the injury. So I think that can only be a, a major benefit to us going forward for the rest of the season. Is is having him sitting in front of there. I say just because it frees up the guys playing in front of him, if if nothing else. Um, Parrot in was probably a bit of a, a shock, well, a shock, but a, a, maybe a strange one if um, Norwood was back up to fitness, given that um, Norwood came on um, last week, didn't he, at, uh, at Crew? Um, but no, no, no real issue with it. It actually looked quite a balanced team, to be fair. So you, you got a bit of. Um, Youth and a bit of pace on the on the wings and, and fullback. Um, you've got a bit of guile with your two centre, centre midfielders in front of Downs. He was snapping away. So, yeah, no no real issue with it. I'd say maybe Thomas, who's hasn't done too much at the moment. But then if Edwards wasn't fully fit from getting clattered last week, then again, no great issue with that. Um, Joe, following on from what Craig's said there, um, we'll forget the, forget the Chambers thing because we've done that to death. But in terms of what Lampert actually purports to want to do you've now essentially got two more slightly more mobile fullbacks you've got judge and Dizel perhaps where they can do a little bit more damage you've got okay not great physicality up top which will not great physicality throughout the team to be honest but um you've got maybe a little bit more sort of movement up top is this 11 sort of not more what the Lambert philosophy, if there is one, um, should be? Yeah, potentially. It's, it's hard to know really what his philosophy is other than this sort of pass, pass, pass. Except because <laughs> I'm not, like I say, like Luke Matheson isn't a much better pass than Luke Chambers, for example. Yeah, he, give, he gives you the energy there, but it's not like Mark McGuinness is a Rolls Royce for centre-back who's pinging it about like Rio Ferdinand, is it? He's a pretty much head it and kick it sort of type guy and his passing is fine. It's decent, but I think it was just more the key things for me, I sort of mentioned was Flynn Downs dropping sort of deeper because Dazelle just wasn't protecting the sort of back four at all. And like I said, we, I noticed we did that crew last week and it, that just seemed the obvious thing to go and just a bit more quality up front. And it, it really is that simple sometimes. And I'd say you can talk about all these sort of grand master strokes and tactical things, but ultimately having better players is the easiest way to, right, to, win, to win games of football, isn't it? And like I say, that's, that's why things like recruitment are so important because it is about players. And like I say, but you, the sort of the thing that can separate the good players from the very good players at any level is how well they're coached. And that's that. I think that's where we fall down. I'll go for my key quote again, Joe. It's League One, yeah. <laughs> and I'll leave it. I'll leave it there. Uh, Blackpool, Maxwell in goal. Maxwell Silver Hammer, Craig uh, Gabriel, and husband ex uh, Forest Loney and ex of Norwich. There, Thornley, who I'm sure I've seen play for Sheffield Wednesday before. Ek Potato, uh, the <laughs> Virtue, Kevin Stewart. I'm sure I've seen play for Hull. Kenny Dougal. I'm sure I've seen play for um, Australia. Barnsley. I think. Um, or was he in the magic roundabout, Kenny Dougal? Um, Kai Kai, Joe, do you used to play for Palace? Kai Kai? Yeah, Palace, yeah. yeah, yeah. Embleton? He was with us on loan once. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure we had him in the building at one point. I was told, on, I can't, it was round about the time Iorfa was signing for us on loan. Road, he? Yeah, 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 he was. Yeah, I yeah. remember Iorfa coming out of nowhere. Iorfa's very well thought of at um, Sheffield Wednesday, by the way. Um, Embleton and Yates up top, a small perusal of the Blackpool bench shows us familiar names, Grant Ward and Luke Garbett um, there. Um, 
Let's talk through this first half and get up to the opening goal here. Um, sorry for you, those of you watching on YouTube as I put my face um, across everything there. Nobody wants to see that. Um, Egg Potato with a good chance, a header from Kako's free kick. Uh, Parrot to Sears to Thomas. Good chance for Thomas on the left foot. Um, could, could find the near post there. Probably should do better. Embleton drive. 25 yards out, Holly regulation save. Um, Freddie Sears, uh, we're going to be very magnanimous, magnanimous about this, was onside um, for this um, goal when he's put through by uh, Parrott. Uh, James Husband's playing him on and the goalkeeper, um, Maxwell, did not stop, um, which takes us to the first goal. Before we get to the first goal, uh, Craig, which is uh, just before half time. Your thoughts on the on the first half in general? Well, I didn't. There wasn't too much in it, and I thought Blackpool, to be fair, had probably had the better chances before we'd had our chances. They had a couple, didn't they, from free kicks out wide? I think only one of them was shown on the highlights, but they had two free kicks in pretty much the same spot. One went back post, and one went near. Um, <clears throat> both which resulted in free headers. They could have probably done better with um, the Sears uh, goal. I reckon Freddie knew the flag was up, so the pressure was off. That's why he finished it with <laughs> such a plum. The pressure, the pressure was off. He just slowed down. Although, and and but the lead up to that, Wolfenden absolutely slammed the ball forward, and it and Parrot just killed it dead. Did he? he hit his chest and he killed it stone dead at his feet, which is you know, probably better than what we've been seeing at Pramara uh, central strikers recently in terms of control. But that's he, I say he looked live yesterday. Parrot, he looked nice touch, linked up well, um, a bit of swagger about him. Um, he'll get sent off before the end of the season. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but I say I think I think that the, the second half performance once we went two now two now like this sort of clouded some people's judgment of of what the first half was like. Really, it was just standard fare and looked looked like it was heading the way that a lot of first halves have for us recently. Uh, Joe, let's talk about this first goal, and I have to take issue with the Blue Monday WhatsApp group here for their complete lack of balance on Alan Judge. I dare say if this was an Ipswich Academy player, the WhatsApp group would have would have lit up. But um, a stony silence, and I thought a really good goal, actually, um, by Alan Judge here. Uh, Downs closes down um, Kai Kai. McGuinness intercepts it with two people outside him, potentially um, in. Give and go, uh, Kenlock there with Dazelle. Diagonal to Judge, and um, a lot of quality from then on from Judge. You take over, um, Joe, and we just need to get Craig to praise Alan Judge for at least fifteen seconds here. Well, it's, it's one of those ones. He he takes it so early, doesn't he? And he hits it, and he really arrows it in the bottom corner. I, I think there's been a bit of criticism of their keeper, but I just think you're you're just not set ready for that shot at that point, and it is struck well, and his his weight's all set wrong because I think sort of everyone's expecting him to roll that across to Troy Parrott sort of there rather than go for goal himself. But no, really, a really, really good strike. And sort of Judge has been playing better, a lot better in recent weeks. I think he's been freed up a little bit more in the formation we've played to actually get involved a bit more rather than sort of trying to chase around as a number 10. I think he's dropped a little bit deeper into midfield and sort of been giving a side of the pitch to try and stay on as opposed to float anywhere and everywhere. Craig, all jokes aside, you've been very frustrated by Judge, but um, again, I'll repeat, it's League One, and that was quality for League One, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. But as you say, they've been that if it hadn't been for McGuinness getting in the way of that through ball from Kaikai, Kai, that was a pretty simple ball that Kaikai should have probably played there to one of two guys bombing down. Well, and he left. went with the outside of his foot when, you know, he could have just sort of yeah, lifted it over, couldn't yeah. he? Yeah. Well, he could have done what um, Kenlock did, didn't he? Because Kenlock played Quite, a lovely yeah. ball. And their, their left back was AWOL as well, wasn't he? And Judge took it beautifully first time and then, yeah, hit it, as Joe said, hit it nice and early. But it was, a, it was a good ball. It was a lovely touch and a good finish. Into the second half and um, Joe, goal number two comes at the perfect time. And dare I say, from a set play on 49. Yeah, there's a nice bit of football in the build-up to it as well, where we sort of, I think Dazelle ended up sort of getting forward and playing a nice one-two in the air and the ball ended up at Freddie Sears, who just takes a shot across goal. He, he was going to struggle to score from there, but managed to hit it with enough power and direction that the keeper could only push it behind for a corner. And then Dazelle whips it in. It's 
I think it's Jerry Yates, their striker at the front post, and all he does is just loop it into the back post as a really, really poor defensive header. And then Wolfie's reads it the quickest and he, he can't miss. It was similar to his goal against, I think his only other goal for the club against Lincoln, where he's just at that back post and he's just got the got the run on it, got the read of the ball, and it's just a case of just bundling at home, basically. But no, good good anticipation and and well, it's only it's only his anticipation that gets him there for Wolfie, but no, good goal. Any credit due there, Craig, or was it a lucky one? There were three players, um, Wolfenden, McGuinness and Kenlock, all split. One went near post, one went far post. But uh, perhaps, as Joe um, suggests a bit, Yates is a little bit unlucky there or a little bit hapless. Yeah, it's a bit, but I think what made a little bit of difference is what Dazelle normally does with his corners, he sort of floats him in, doesn't he? But that one was drilled, just had a little bit more, a little bit less trajectory on it, if you like. So it sort of skimmed off of Yates' head to the back post, but... Good. Um, so 2-0 there and um, comfortable. Now, um, McGuinness nearly puts through his own net again. Holly bails him out there. Um, guys, on this one, Chris Maxwell, who you'll remember for Preston. Um, doing Paul Lambert's a... first game, wasn't it? Yeah, he was in the stands at Millwall, wasn't he? And mm. um, that would have been his first game, the 1-1. Who went in goal? Was it Paul Gallagher? Yeah. Save wow. that volley from Danny Rowe. Yeah, that yeah, was Danny straight Rowe, at him yeah. and everyone's saying it's an amazing save, dearie me. Danny Rowe. Um, Dave loved Danny Rowe, didn't he? Um, just quickly, just quickly, um, guys, he takes down Parrot. I, I always have a bit of peculiarity with these because the wording of the law, Craig, says denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. I'm sure one day we'll have um, VAR that measures the speed of the player and the potential speed of the ball and the XG at when the player is going to be with the ball. And if it's over, um, I don't know, 0.5 XG, it's an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. If not, um, yes or no, Craig, was it an obvious goal-scoring opportunity with Parrott moving to the left-hand side? Should Maxwell have been red-carded? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm going to leave you to write the algorithm to work out the, the XG. I think you're better with computers than me, aren't you, for goodness sakes? <laughs> um, no, I think it was it was fair enough. I, I didn't really, because I say, obviously the limitations with I follow is that you just got the one camera following bits and pieces going around. You're following the ball pretty much, haven't you? And I didn't sort of appreciate that he was out so far and it wasn't until the sort of the ball, the camera switched to it, that you all of a sudden saw the sort of, saw the sort of saw the contact um but no i don't think that was an, an issue i think maxwell was expecting the yellow wasn't he and um, got no no problem with that at all um harrop makes his debut thereafter we'll talk about where he may or may not fit in now this seems very 433 looking rather than um sort of a 4231 where he may potentially have fitted better um big chance for freddie sears and I think I saw a tweet today. Luke Matheson made three key passes in this game as well, which is high and very high for a, a fullback, um, one has to admit. And um, the referee, much to everyone's amusement, but probably to a lot of pain, does his hamstring at the end of the end of the game. Joe, uh, your summary. Let's save the big picture stuff for the questions. In, in isolation, given the new signings and... Um, Things of that nature. Your summary of this one? Good result. Um, it was an improved performance. I still, I didn't think it was a particularly brilliant performance or anything along those lines. It just seemed sort of two relatively even match sides in the first half. We, they missed their chance. We we took our chance. And then at that point, especially scoring so early in the second half, we were able to maybe look a bit better as they tried to come out of their shell a little bit more with out really any success they were they were pretty hopeless going forwards but as I, I don't I don't like when whenever we win a game the other sort of say oh well the other team were rubbish because I don't think that is always the case because there's always two sides in every game and you you make them look how they play a lot of the time so it's not a case of saying they were poor but they just they just looked a bit blunt going forwards and we we scored goals at good times and I say it was just one of those typical even league one games until we got that first goal. And it was nice to hopefully gain a bit of confidence with how we played in the second half. But so I, it doesn't really tell us anything about us as a as a team. It was just another win against a sort of lower or mid-table side. Yeah, Craig? Team that was 
Yeah, it's exactly, exactly that. It's just a, it was a win against a team that's below us in the league. It's not really told us anything that we didn't sort of know that we've probably got probably had the better players on paper on the pitch and therefore won a game that we probably should have done in any case. I think the Blackpool fans weren't particularly happy. I think they're Critchley had tinkered a little bit with their formation and and how they were set up, which had previous to that they've been on a bit of a run, haven't they? They were certainly won the last couple of matches. Yeah, I think they'd gone from four four two to sort of a four four one one. One one, yeah, exactly. And that's how they had very little up front. They were missing Medine and uh, Yates, who they were they were purring about, weren't they? On Friday night, didn't offer anything of of any note at all. Um, so they were missing their main goal threat. They changed their formation, but you know, just did what um, we had to do. Before we go to questions, I just want to um, throw a complete grenade into the podcast here. Um, Ipswich moved into 10th, four points off the playoffs at a rate of 1.625 points per game, projecting a total of 74.75 points per game. If one were to look at the previous 12 seasons in League One, one would conclude that only in last season where um, things weren't completed and Fleetwood finished in sixth from 1.71 points per game. The remaining 12 seasons, every season, and I know you can't score 74.75 points, um, every other season you are in the playoffs, i.e. one point above seventh place um, with 74.75 points per game. Is this, Joe, an argument for um, if I'm going to Marcus Evans with my little cowering, with my nose running, with my little book of facts, um, is this an argument that um, uh, Evans will accept that, um, yes, we would then need to analyse the remaining fixtures and see how we project out for the remaining games? But currently... Um, by points per game projection and using all 12 of the previous completed seasons as a sample, um, we are currently on course to make the playoffs. I think you have to ask, what is the goal for this season? Is it to get promoted or is it to qualify to give yourself a one in four shot of getting promoted? And it, I think it was very noticeable. The first statement back in Lambert was talking about how close we were to the top two, whereas the next statement was talking about how close we are to the playoff zone. It's like, is, is that what we're going for now, the playoffs, or are we still trying to go for the top two? Um, I, th- I think it's, whilst I don't disagree with the sort of looking at the previous seasons, and I'd always say 75 points is enough. Ironically, when we did get in the playoffs in 2014-15, it took us 78 points to qualify that a goal the, in the championship. That was the highest tied season. You realise that yeah. was the hardest year to get yeah. in the playoffs in like 15 years. That one's crazy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and um, but I, th- I think you do... At the, at the moment, though, you have you have to look at the league table for what it is, and you have to look at the teams that are above us in the league and where where they're trending. And I don't think you can sort of say, "Oh well, we're we're on track to get enough points to get in the playoffs." Like I say, if you were on track to get enough points to stay up, you're bottom of the league. I don't think that a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Especially in sort of a, a season like this with COVID, where there's been a huge, sort of a huge change to squads at the towards the bottom of the league, and there may be a bigger gap between the sort of top eight, ten, and the rest of the league, where sort of it, it may be one of those seasons that ends up with a, a lot of higher points needed to make the playoffs. But especially with think, away games seemingly being easier as well, Joe, this season. Yeah, like I say, I, I think you you have to judge it by looking at the league table, and ultimately we're tenth, and we're a few points off the playoffs and there's teams above us with games in hand on us. We've got games in hand on others, but ultimately we are ninth or 10th at the moment. And that's what you should be being judged on. Craig, if I were a little Marcus Evans, yes, man. And you were Marcus Evans and I, I brought you those figures. Would you be in any way convinced? Um, well, I just think you probably look at the, what everyone else's points per game is going to be as well. Cause you know, Cruz, no, Accrington's is going to be better than ours. So that's, you know, and it's more a case of, those teams that are currently in the top six, plus Sunderland, plus Crew, how many of those are going to be dropping out to allow you to to take their place? It's not just how well we do; it's how badly other teams are going to have to do in relation to us, isn't it? Um, Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I as as Joe was, as Joe said right at the very very beginning about how Evans is is seeing this, and we can only assume in the background that wheels are in motion and that there will come a point in time. Maybe soon, depending on fixture list that you were talking about off air earlier, that may not come soon. Um, but yeah, so I just, I just think there's, it's just the number of teams that are between us and, and what we need to achieve, rather than the points. Um, just to reference that conversation, Craig's just mentioning, um, Joe. These are the current league positions of the um, remaining teams that we're playing. Obviously, they could change by the time we play them. But what appears, Joe, is that it goes from quite hard to easier. So basically we play, excuse me, assuming that um, the Peterborough game goes ahead, we'll talk about that at the end. We play fourth, 17th, 11th, third, second, eighth, 14th, first, 12th, fifth. But then the last nine games, Joe, 23rd, 20th, 18th, 16th, 6th is Charlton, 22nd, 19th, 21st, 15th. So, I mean, you can look at that two ways, um, Joe, can't you? That it would be a good time to make a change or a good time to keep somebody. Um, mm. uh, I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm just trying to get into I, Evan's I know head what on, I know what Joe's on projections. <laughs> what are Joe's thoughts, Craig? <laughs> well, I, I think the sort of the big... <laughs> question mark like there's many many question marks over Paul Lambert's management of Ipswich Town and I'm sure most fans are in a camp now which they'll probably stay in until the very end of his time here but ultimately we cannot beat teams above us in the league that is the simple fact of the matter so you say what we've got Peterborough Tuesday and then we've got what is it Shrewsbury Northampton 17-11 but then third and second which would be Hull and Doncaster uh, Doncaster yeah and Lincoln still to come um, yeah as well but I mean if you like I say if you look at the if we lose to Peterborough beat Shrewsbury beat Northampton lose to Hull lose to Doncaster then What's the, what's the point? Because you can't just keep losing to the teams at the top of the league. And if you do just keep losing to them and the owner can't, isn't going to make a change at that point, then we might as well, as Jimmy Walker said, if we can't finish in the top four, we might as well just pack <laughs> it in. Craig, ultimately, if you get in the playoffs, you've got to beat um, uh, literally across three games, two top six teams, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Which combined, we probably haven't done over the last two seasons, have we? So. No, no. Um, well, there you there you go. Just quickly, food for thought. Currently, the last nine games, the average position currently 17th over the last nine games. So um, 
Cowie brothers will be licking their lips <laughs> when if they get the, to play uh, when they get to play against us, being managers of AFC Wimbledon. Yeah. Oh my goodness me! Um, let's have a look at some questions, guys. Um, this is well. This can should we give that one to Craig? I think we should definitely give that one to Joe, shouldn't we? Um, again, selection policies being. Um, does that make me Paul Lambert in this instance here? I'm not sure. I'm. I'm... Your no it makes you Jackie Weaver. Okay. Um, will Joe bounce back after being dropped last week? Says um, Andrew. Um, Joe, hey, are you ben, un- ben, unhappy ben. with being dropped? Ben, I've said I'm only going to talk about the game. <laughs> <laughs> move, move on because I need to find that question. Um, are, are you, you, have, you have no authority here, Joe Fares. <laughs> I'm the vice chair. <laughs> Oh, dearie me. Um, let me just have a look here because there was a question about... I think it was from um, Alistair. I think she's gone past he, it. Have I? There we go, Alistair. Uh, right, let me read this then. In his post-match interview, Paul Lambert has said he instructed the ITFC team not to ask him about anything except the match and reiterated to BBC Suffolk if the press have questions about his team selection or anything at all, um, shouldn't the manager have to do his job and answer them? So this is in the interview with uh, Brenna Woolley, um, Craig, and he's asked about Luke Chambers, and he does answer the question. This is a strange thing. He kind of answers the question and then says that he'd agreed not to answer the question. Um, where, where, where do you stand on this? Let me play devil's advocate a little bit, as I as I like to do. Um is this people who are in the Lambert out camp looking for something on a day where maybe it's not not the hill to die on on that day, if you know what I mean, trying to find something? Um, or should Mr Lambert be um, just boringly sidebarring the questions like football managers do? What, is, it, is this important, Craig? Well, that's, as you said, the last thing you just said there, what has stopped Lambert from just saying, well, sort of like he did. Yeah, we've got umpteen games coming up in the next umpteen, game, um, umpteen days. We need everyone fit. He's 35 years old. He hasn't missed a game of football yet this season. The new guy's come in. He's fresh. You know, there's a very good chance that Luke will be back on Tuesday night because we've got a difficult game at Peterborough. Next question, please. But he didn't. And he, you know, he, at the, at the end of the day, as things stand at the moment, the fans' only interaction with the club is through these interviews and through you know the media, the li- very little media that we get now. We know that he's sort of knocked the media on the head with the East Anglian guys in terms of direct um, contact. We know how he's dealt with Phil from those were the days. Um, you know, he's the figurehead of the club, and at a time where it won't be too long before the club are asking us to maybe they can please keep hold of the money that they've taken from season tickets for this season. And, oh, by the way, any chance we can have some more for, for next season? You'd think that the demeanour of a guy would be a little bit different to to what it is at the moment. Um, you know, he's the polar opposite of what he was when he came in, bouncing into the club, which, again, might give the impression that that was all a bit of a facade in the first instance. I just like what I'd not, and I know it's not going to happen, but for the media just to call him out and say, look, all right, well, let's terminate the interview here then. And then say to their listeners, say to their readers, we are being restricted from doing our job by asking, which aren't, they're not questions out of order questions, are they? Then they're just run of the milk, obvious questions that have came out through light of right. the team every, selection. Every manager, every team selection gets asked about the changes they've made. It's the most boring question in the world. So it's yeah. not like you're he's not take, expecting it, is he? Yeah, if you're going to take offence to it, then... You know, where are we? But as I say, they should just call him out and say, look, all right, well, let's not bother then. And then in the paragraphs that normally contain the boring, mundane ramblings of Paul Lambert (laughs) would just say, we are not, you know, we're not being allowed to conduct our jobs in the way we'd like to. It's up, that's up to the club to turn it around. So, you know, come back to us and we'll, we'll bring you some more monotonous, monotonous sayings from the, from the guy in charge once he deems it necessary to talk to us. Joe, is is this is this important? Is this the Lambert out camp just finding something to claw onto, or is it more than that? Um, personally, I think that 
there, there's obviously an element of want, wanting that, but it's, it's, it, it went this way under Mick McCarthy at the end, where his dealings with the press were just sort of antagonising the fans, just disrespectful of the position that he holds. And sort of like, as soon as the press start putting press conferences verbatim in the paper, you know that there's an issue with with what is going on. And like I say, I, I think it's a joke, really, that he can get away with that. And when he's already not doing the pre-match presses, he's already not talking to TWTD. Like I say, the EADT guys are getting fairly short shrift of him at the moment. And ultimately... Like I say, as Craig said, this is our only conduit to him as a supporter. And I, I just don't think it's it's right that he's doing it. I, I think it's disrespectful to the fans. I think it's disrespectful to his position. And like I say, I you could like I say Phil Ham was on the talking on with the Talking Town guys last week and did a sort of sort of a QA from those guys. And he just basically said that Lambert's just impossible in press conferences, that he's just so defensive. Everything is with a straight bat. Everything is the paranoia. I think he said he spoke to some of his friends previously who sort of dealt with him at Colstrom. One of them had sort of asked about something in the camp and it was just like... He's, I was going to say, Joe, he's been like that. that. He, I remember a big run-in he had with um, when he was at Norwich. Um, he's literally said nothing in interviews through his entire yeah. career. I, I, I don't think this is unique to us, but you make a very important distinction that... Um, and Craig's um, said as much that, that there's no contact with the fans, so it's it's rather easy to hide in this way at the moment, isn't it? And for, yeah. And for a guy, sorry, for a, for a guy who's by his own mittens reckons he can handle the pressure fantastically well. Well, crikey, if he's cracking under the pressure at Ipswich and Colchester, and it's not <laughs> as if he's you know he's been at Villa, which is you know to be fair a, a decent sized club. But apart from that, yeah, it's not as if he's been managing in these pressure cooker environments. Sorry, Joe, go on. Yeah, and it, it's just, like I say, it's just this mass paranoia. But if if your stick is all you're going to do is just straight back everything away with an almost irrelevant comment, why just not straight back this way? He basically had done. Like, you could just say, yeah, well, Luke obviously didn't want to be dropped, but we, we, we're we going to need everyone throughout the rest well, of the season. Joe, it's, like, it's very revealing that he hasn't straight batted it, isn't it? It's a clear power play and a clear um, signalling thing yeah. to call out the poor social media guy who's probably playing with his yeah. phone at the time thinking, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Leave but, me out of this, please. But for, but for whatever reason he's he's dropped him, a proper man manager, a proper manager has to keep his players on side with him. And if he hasn't dropped Luke Chambers with the respect that he deserves for what he's sort of given to the club over the last eight, nine years and given to the club under Lambert, then... How's he but going to get was, back to the side again? That was strange thing, Joe. It was he's got, he's got oh, he's played a lot of games and there's twelve games to go, and it, it, that was the, that was the strange thing. He did, he almost did both, didn't he? Yeah, but you always hear these sort of man managers who say they go into like Alex Ferguson's office or Brian Clough's office, and they they come out feeling sort of a million dollars, and then they sort of. I used to have a band. I used to have a band manager like that. I'd be go. I'd go in temping absolutely raging and come out eating out of his hand honestly so yeah, I, I know the type yeah and but it, it doesn't feel like when our players are dropped they even get the sort of courtesy of a discussion as to why it happens let alone to be sort of butted up and showered with praise as to why they're yeah yeah they may have been dropped but they're they're brilliant and they're, you're going to need them in two weeks time and things it just seems that everything is done the way he treats the press is similar to the way he treats the players from all I hear um Let's have a look at another one here. Uh, Craig, this is from Andrew. Was there enough today to make you think that we can break the top eight side? Hoodoo. Voodoo? Voodoo? It says voodoo, not hoodoo. Um, uh, we're talking Parrot, Matheson, um, the, the new shape in central midfield. And Any optimism there, Craig? Um, I don't know. No, I it, the, the, the proof will be when we do actually get the chance to play our top eight side, wouldn't it? And we need to go on a, if we do play Tuesday, then we need to not lose on Tuesday. Ideally, obviously we need to win. We just need to go on a run of four or five matches now and get it, get the monkey off our back. Blackpool weren't great shakes, were they? So I don't think we can read too much into it. They were, a, at the end of the day, they were a team that was below us in the league um, that, that we beat because we probably should have beaten them in any case. So um, I don't think we can, we can read too much into the, 
into the performance other than it was a you know a more certainly a more joined up performance a more balanced performance than we've that we've been seeing recently but you know we we don't know what the step up is going to be or how they're going to cope with the step up to to a team that's currently sitting in the top six well and we can move on to that and that should parlay us into um our final segment joe uh, that's from justin have our standards and expectations fallen so low that we get excited about winning with three shots on target moments plenty of teams win three shots on target but against a very average third tier team um is anyone um i think everyone's looking at the possible game where we talk about whether it'll happen or not the possible game on tuesday aren't they in terms of uh context joe yeah, and I think standards and expectations have fallen so low because it is, I say, it, it, it amazes me, like, maybe just because I'm so firmly in the out camp that you see, sort of see anything from the other side as sort of over the top. But I said that was just a bog standard performance against a bog standard team with a few nice bits in the second half. But I, 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 I don't think they realise sometimes what good teams are like. They They play the way... We played for sort of a 10, 15 minute period in the second half for 60, 70 metres a week, every single game. And they create chances every single game and they score goals every single game. And it's not, uh, I say, it's, it's that, that shouldn't be seen as this brilliant thing because we've had a couple of chances against Blackpool. Like, this is how we played at the start of the season against weaker sides, but we looked a lot, we looked a lot fresher then and a lot sharper at that point. But I say, I still think we've got miles to go and, I say hopefully it can be the start of something which pushes us on for the rest of the season but I, say, I don't think it achieved like on, on its own it didn't tell us anything we didn't already know well and to that point Craig um I watched Coventry um on Saturday against Watford obviously Watford have Dini and Saar and Cleverly and Hughes and Firminia and Semmer and lots of really good players Coventry are still playing the same shape, well, I'm back for, um, the same pattern of play that's built up from their um, title-winning run last season. And they're just about pushing a point per game a little bit more, but there's a rising tide and um, they could still even get pulled down. And they were the they were the best team in the, in the League One last year, Craig. Mm. Yeah, well, and it's and it's all real building patterns of play. But if if we're going to start now building patterns of play, we're doing it with four or five or six players <laughs> who aren't aren't ours, and you know probably even more of those, additionally in our squad, who aren't going to be here next season in any case when things when it really hits the fan in the summer and um, we need to start cutting our costs. So I don't know. It's it's shit or bust, isn't it? Now till now <laughs> to the end of the season, it, it really is because you know, I think. What we're seeing now in terms of squad will be nothing like what we'll see if we're still in the same division next season, unfortunately. Absolutely. Um, I need your meteorological um, expertise um, because we are due to be playing Peterborough. Uh, there's the League One table there who are in fourth spot there and Peterborough one win, but we're all over the place with the games played there. Um, one win off the top two. But, Joe, there's quite a chance that this, um, given the Peterborough pitch and the potential weather, this game might not happen. What, what, what is your thoughts? Well, Peterborough have had a sort of big issue with regards to, I think they spent a lot of money on their pitch because it's one of the big, big things. Like, listen to the Hard Truth podcast with Darren McAnthony and he says about this, but basically they had a burst water pipe under their pitch a few weeks ago, which has just effectively killed it. And this, the state it looked in at the end of their game at the weekend was awful. It looked a, I'd say it looked an absolute Baseball shocker. ground. Pudding of a pitch, as I'd say. Yeah, sort of if you're watching a big match revisited on a Saturday morning. <laughs> some, of the, some of the pitch you see on that and... Obviously, I, I don't I say I'm not in Peterborough. I know it's in the eastern region, but it's a long way from Rushmiss and Andrew to know what what their weather is like. But if they have experienced anything like the weather we're having, then even if you say just the extreme colds of temperature, you're going to struggle to get that pitch dry and playable. Like I said, we had one sort of a number of years ago where it was so cold that even when they took the heated cover off, which I think Peterborough have got, I think it was a Middlesbrough game on a Saturday lunchtime, that it was 
it, the, the pitch was freeze, didn't it? Yeah, the pitch was freezing as the game was going on. Oh, and the poor Borough fans had travelled, hadn't they? Yeah, and it's a big oh ticket promotion as well, I think. But um, yeah, I've, and like I say, if the temperature's around sort of zero, potentially dropping to sub-zero, the fact that they've got a cover is going to make no difference because that pitch is going to need to take some sort of serious water and it's just and it's just going to either waterlog or freeze effectively. So I don't know, I wouldn't be sort of paying your £10 for your eye follow too early on that one. <laughs> um, Craig, if the game does go ahead and we have the um, more mobile front three and the um, triangle switched around in central midfield and the younger fullbacks, um, is there any chance that um, this team can do something away at um, a team superior in terms of the league table? Yeah, well, there is because... You know, we didn't play them that long ago, and I wasn't particularly impressed with Peterborough when we played them at home a few weeks back. Um, Smodic was quiet, wasn't he? Clark Harris, Johnson Clark Harris, um, was quiet. Smashed the penalty over the bar. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think if, if you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd hang my hat on Downs being able to look after Smodic more than Dazelle was able to. Um, I so appreciate I just said he was quiet, but you know, I think I think we're well equipped, man for man, to take him on. But as Joe said, it's it's not necessarily. That it's it's the tactics side of things that takes you just up that up that next level, isn't it? But if we do play, then I wouldn't be surprised to see Chambers move inside just to help with uh, Clark Harris up front. And so I'd, I'd be quite happy with Downs on Smodic just in in a little pocket there. Um, but as I say, having seen them relatively recently, then yeah, there's, there's no real fear. Shouldn't be. Yeah, the What's only thing I'd say about that is on that, Joe. Yeah, if you look at their home record compared to their away record this season, yeah, that's true. That shows it. I think at, at home in twelve games they've got. 29 points i think oh best in the league there you go yes and away it's sort of 16 points in 11 games or so or some, something like that but like i say their away record yeah look 17 points in 13 so they are a very very good home side and if you look back to the but we're the of, seventh best there but according to that table yeah because <laughs> we won our first six didn't we <laughs> But if but if you look back to last season as well, from sort of January onwards, their home form then was almost winning every single game. So they've, they've definitely got something going for them at whatever London Road is called these days. And but I think this is what makes our record against the top six, top eight, top ten, whatever you want to call it, so much more frustrating and embarrassing. Because like I say, you look at our players on paper against any of any of the other teams in it, and we should have a chance in every game. Every, every game we're going into is a two-horse race. We should have a chance in that. And this season, to what played eight, lost eight at, against the top six is. And I if think. you include our bench as well, Joe. Yeah, and like I say, you, like I say, I know we've picked up four points from Crew and three from Accrington, but I think they're outside the top six. I think it is played eight, lost eight to the top six as it stands at the moment. And I say it's just almost a law of averages say that that should end soon, but. <laughs> I think that yeah, just you that, can that include, just shows Sun, how bad you can include Sunderland in Joe at, at seventh as well. We lost both well, of the them. top seven, yeah. Lost both twice of the to games them. to them as well, haven't we? Yeah. yeah, not good, not good. But and we lost the Portsmouth in the cup as again. So it's another one of those teams in this league that we've just lost again to. And it's just how do you keep? I say there's there's obviously a big mental block or tactical issue or something just to lose every single one of the games. There, there won't be a team in the league. From sort of where we're in tenth, from eleventh down to twenty fourth, who's got a, as record as bad as that against the top six? Mm. Well, more will be revealed if indeed the game does go ahead. Um, Richard and Seb will be live on our YouTube channel immediately at full time, and the kickoff is it a seven or a, a seven o'clock kickoff? So um, we're talking about. Um, sort of nine o'clock um, time. Richard and Seb will be on, obviously, if there's no game. Although, looking at the Derby Rotherham um, issue in midweek, it could even be moved to the next day, or you, you never know in COVID times. This game could happen this week, even if it doesn't um, happen on Tuesday, especially with the journey being a, a relatively short one. We'll be across it. Um, if that is the case, please hit subscribe over on YouTube at the Blue Monday YouTube channel. As ever, we'll be back with the podcast um, next week. And also, I can't remember um, who's going to be on um, next weekend, but we're going to be playing Shrewsbury if um, weather 
kind of works out. The Paul Hurst derby, I think we're called. The John Nolan, Toto and Ciala um, derby there. Um, Joe, who is, uh, what time are we recording? Uh, it's just gone half eight. Who's going to win the Super Bowl tonight, Joe? Um, I'm gonna, by the time I this think... comes out, you will either be right or wrong. I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. There you go. Put all of your money. Well, you're not going to hear this until 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. So hopefully they'll be they'll be done by then. But uh, there you go. Put all your money on the Kansas City um, Chiefs. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto and Ciala. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Pretty pretty good, uh, Craig. <laughs> I think you'll agree there. Uh, Craig, where can we find you on? I've got one in in the end. Where can we find you on Twitter, Craig? Uh, I'm at Fims75. Fims75. Um, and for an equally placid point of view on Twitter, where can we find you, Joe? At Joe Fairs. At Joe Fairs. You can find me at Benjamin Bloom, banging on about the championship, where we'll hopefully be within the next three to eight seasons um, at some point. Um, hopefully, we'll see you on Tuesday night. Richard and Seb will see you get involved over there. If not, we will um, be back next weekend uh, for the latest episode of um, How Grumpy Shall We Get and How Many Games Has Paul Lambert um, Got Left. Say goodbye, Joe. See you later, guys. Say goodbye, Craig. Bye, everybody. And thank you, everybody, for watching. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.